Hello and welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I'm Laura Friedman. I'm the president of the Foundation for Middle East Peace. Today is November 9th, 2021, and I am delighted to have with me here Ubay Aboudi, who is the director of Bisan Center for Research and Development in Ramallah. Bisan Center is a Palestinian human rights organization that has been in operation for more than 30 years. And it is one of the six Palestinian NGOs that the Israeli government recently declared to be a terrorist organization, a designation that effectively outlaws all the groups, criminalizes their work under Israeli law, and enables uh, the Israeli government to seize their assets, arrest staff, prohibit funding, punish public expressions of support and solidarity, et cetera, et cetera. With this terror designation, the Israeli government has escalated its longtime efforts to curb uh, Palestinian, uh, to curb civil society and crush Palestinian organizations that document the ongoing violations of Palestinian human rights and seek to hold Israel accountable. So the foundation, people who follow our work know we have been covering this issue extensively since the day the initial designation was announced. We have podcasts, we have webinars. I recommend going to our website, www.fmvp.org and finding all of that. So now yesterday on November 8th, a new story, a new uh, wrinkle in the story broke with uh, news that phones of several Palestinian human rights defenders were actually hacked. Um, The phones were surveilled. Uh, using software produced by the infamous NSO Group, an Israeli company that was recently blacklisted by the U.S. government because its technology has been used by foreign governments to, and I'm quoting, maliciously target, unquote, human rights defenders, activists, uh, journalists, academics, and others. So one of the Palestinians who was actually targeted, whose phone reportedly had this uh, software on it, Pegasus, was Ubay. So we're going to ask him about that among other things today. So Ubay, welcome to the podcast. Um, I, I have a list of questions for you. So uh, let's just first jump in. Um, can you first just introduce yourself and Bisan, your organization, for people who may not be familiar with them? You know, what does Bisan do? Whom does it serve, etc. Okay, my name is Ubay Aboudi. I'm a husband for the journalist Hind Shaide and the father of three kids. I have a master's in economics with focus on development economics and social protection. I'm the executive director of Bissan Center for Research and Development, which is a civil society organization working in the West Bank uh, since 1989. Our organization has one of the leading Palestinian civil society organization. It focuses on doing academic research and advocating for the results of this research by working with youth, with marginalized, uh, pushing against the government policies, uh, trying to achieve uh, socioeconomic uh, and cultural rights for the people and of course political rights. My organization has been uh, at the forefront of working in the Palestinian society. We are founding members of several important networks that are operating uh, to push uh, for democratic change, such as uh, the Palestinian Non-Governmental Organizations Network, PINGO, and uh, the Palestinian uh, Forum for Combating Violence uh, Against Women, and also the Palestinian Coalition for Fighting Corruption. Uh, These coalitions, of course, uh, reflect uh, the idea of Bissan and its mandate of trying to achieve democratic change, to achieve development goals, while also 
working hand in hand uh, to promote the rights of the marginalized and the poor in the Palestinian community and globally, of course. We are non-partisan, but uh, we align ourselves with the poor and the marginalized and see our research as serving the interests of uh, equality in the community, of social justice, and of course, gender justice is one of the pillars. We pride ourselves of being the organization that uh, hosted and uh, uh, started actually the first women's rights conference back in 1989 uh, in the West Bank. So uh, this is part of our history, our work, and our mandate. Thanks. That's a great introduction, and people can always go online and find out more about your work. There's a lot of it, a lot of information and background online as well. Um, so, before we get into the whole NSO story, um, why do you think that Bisan was targeted? Why, and the other organizations, not just Bisan. What do you think? I mean, Bisan's been around since 1989, right? So, what what is the behind the targeting? And, and in what ways was your, your group, was Bissan specifically targeted in the period leading up to the designation, um, whether in Europe or on the ground in the West Bank? Okay, so uh, my organization has been one of the most active ones in the Palestinian civil society, but so has the other five that has been designated as uh, terrorist organizations. And this is not our claim, this is the claims of activists, human rights defenders, other civil society leaders in the Palestinian community. Uh, the attacks against Palestinian civil society organizations are not new. We have experienced raids, violations, arrests by Israeli occupation forces, uh, smear campaigns by organizations, far-right organizations that, I, that are closely linked with the Israeli government, such as NGO Monitor. And these organizations are working uh, to discredit us or to uh, smear campaigns. For us as uh, Bissan, uh, the attacks are not you. I myself was arrested in 2019, first on administrative detention, then uh, they coaxed up uh, crazy allegations against me. And uh, actually my case was uh, talked about uh, in the report of the Secretary General to the General Assembly as a case of false prosecution. Even the judge, when uh, in my case, has said that there is uh, uh, evidence difficulty in your case, but he nonetheless sentenced me. So when you're talking about uh, the attacks on Palestinian civil society organizations, Palestinian civil society has been active since the 80s uh, in documenting and uh, exposing uh, occupation crimes against the Palestinian population. Uh, this uh, this is on the one hand. On the second hand, some of the organizations have worked also on uh, the steadfastness of the Palestinian people, such as OWAC, Bissan, and the Union for Women's Committees. Uh, others, like Adamir, is working directly in Israeli military courts, documenting and representing Palestinian political prisoners. Al-Haq is working on documenting human rights violations and closely working with the International Criminal Court also. Adamir is also doing that work. And Defense for Children International is solely working on the defense and the promotion of the rights of Palestinian children. 
When you're talking about uh, this kind of attack, of course, the work we are doing as organization is culminating. It's building up. We are not working in the void. We're working according to strategic plans that are set for three to five year intervals and building upon these plans. And I think that these plans, uh, the Israeli occupation is starting to feel uh, the effect of our involvement, not just, of course, the six organization, but the Palestinian civil society as a whole. Uh, especially the war criminal Benny Gantz, because he has a vested interest in this declaration against the six organizations. Uh, he was the commander-in-chief of the Israeli army in 2014, and he was the minister of defense in uh, 2021 uh, with uh, the atrocities, the uh, documented war crimes against uh, Palestinian civilian populations. Uh, in this kind of context, uh, Israeli also occupation forces have raided our offices several times, not just Bissam, I'm talking about all of the organizations, and uh, they were never able to uh, have any kind of, uh, let us say, evidence to prosecute the organizations, anything for our work. We are actually, uh, our organizations are one of, um, Palestinian civil society in general actually also is one of the best highly governed and transparent civil society around the world. We are closely monitored, not just by the Palestinian Authority, but also by the Israeli occupation, by our donors. For example, Bissan has internal and external auditors. Uh, we, had, we provide reports to the Palestinian Ministry of Interior, to the Palestinian uh, Ministry of Justice, and also uh, to our donors on a regular basis. So all of this scrutiny, all of that uh, states that the organizations are operating according to international law and to the Palestinian law. Uh, this attack for us came uh, on the 16th of October, because so, one thing leads to another. Uh, uh, an employee of Al-Haq discovered that his phone uh, has been hacked by the Pegasus software. On the 17th, they contacted us, informed us of this hack, and requested a meeting. On the 18th, uh, Israel revoked the, citiz the citizenship of uh, Salah Hamouri, uh, a lawyer and human rights defender, who is uh, uh, a dual national. Also, he's a French and has a Jerusalemite ID. And on the 19th, Benny Gantz uh, signed the order of that uh, declaring six organizations were terrorist organizations. Of course, uh, through our understanding that this designation came and these attacks came as part of Israeli policy to cover up the human rights violations committed by using of illegal spyware of Pegasus. This Pegasus spyware is uh, a vicious spyware. Just one second, sorry. <laughs> Taking a break for children. One moment, please. Yeah. Yes, okay. In the Zoom age, children and animals are always... Hello. Hello there. Hi. Hello. Okay, sorry for that. Oh, thank you. Okay. So, uh, 
The spyware Pegasus is a very vicious uh, spyware. It's uh, supposed, according to the company, to be used against uh, terrorists and to prevent crime, criminal activity. And this is, of course, I think, uh, putting the wagon in front of the horse by declaring us uh, terrorist organizations. They are trying to justify the uh, human rights violations that have been committed by the uh, spyware company which is closely also related to the Israeli government, as media reports have indicated. Yeah, I will say, I mean, the timing of it really is, is it, it has to raise questions, I think, even, even for people who want to say, well, correlation isn't causation. The fact is, Bissan has been in existence since 1989. Some of the organizations that were designated have been in, in business even longer. You've been harassed, you've been challenged, you know, you, there's been defamation campaigns against you for years. The fact that the designations came literally like 48 hours after the um, after news spread amongst people whose phones were compromised that their phones were compromised seems um, at least to be um, raising questions for sure. Um, one point I, I don't know I, we, we didn't talk about this before the call, but you know one of the things that that is striking. I don't know if you want to comment on is you know people have been treating the the designation that happened this week which is where they extended the designation to the West Bank as highly significant in terms of what Israel can and can't do. And my thought is Bissan's offices were raided, you know, your computers were taken, whatever, before there was a de designation. You know, it, it, Israel as the occupier doesn't need the designation in order to clamp down on all of you. In that context, what does extending the designation to the West Bank actually mean, except for maybe a PR move? Well, it's not just that. It also means that uh, they have a right to come and confiscate our equipment. They have a right to uh, arrest us and put us on trial uh, in cases of... Don't they do that already? Didn't they already come to your offices? In the well, they need other pretexts to have that. But now they can just say you're an employee of Bissan. So this is a charge. And this, this is a criminal offense, just being an employee or affiliated with Bissan, or even giving service to Bissan. Even uh, if we have, for example, uh, someone that we buy from him uh, uh, stationery, uh, he can be prosecuted for sending us pens, papers, and books because he's sending it to uh, an illegal organization. So this is the extension, what does it mean? They can also come and harass the banks and siphon our money from the banks, and they have done that previously. They can also uh, put travel bans on us, and I think this is part of uh, the idea. And the most important thing is also scare people then from cooperating with us, from working with us. Uh, and I think that uh, this is very significant. This is... Uh, uh, I don't believe that they are going to arrest everyone at the organizations. But I think that they might go to uh, selected arrests, and this is a very dangerous policy. So you can be just working or traveling from one area to other and be arrested and charged and imprisoned for things that uh, can be writing a research or documenting a human rights abuse. So this is very serious. This, the, right. this declaration extending it to the West Bank is very serious. Actually, the designation in... Uh, Israel, according to the 2016 anti-terrorism law, which I call it a terrorism law, this is not anti-terrorism because it terrorizes people, 
uh, also incriminates the international organizations that are working with us that have offices in Jerusalem or in Israel, their staff, uh, any Israeli organizations, human rights organizations that might cooperate with us. For example, Hamuked, Betselem have close relations and cooperations with Al Haq and Al Damir. So these kinds of uh, violations uh, are also systematic, not targeted uh, solely at the Palestinians, but sometimes also targeted in fear campaigns against anyone who expresses solidarity with us. So, for example, if you're coming through the airport uh, for hosting me on this uh, webinar, you might also face troubles with the Israeli authorities. Yeah, I thought about that. Here we are. <laughs> I'm voting with my feet. Um, the Back to the NSO for a second and, and Pegasus. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about what Pegasus does. I think people, when they hear a phone being hacked, they think of you know listening to maybe phone calls. They think of the old-fashioned hacking. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about what Pegasus does. And, and as someone who was personally hacked by Pegasus, the kind of um, violation that that represents, both personal and professional, because you use your phone to email diplomats, family, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, my understanding for the Pegasus software is that it's a very vicious software. It doesn't only uh, monitor your calls, your messages, etc. It also hacks, takes complete control of your phone, any passwords, any accounts you have on it. It can download content and can upload content from it. It can make phone calls. Our colleague Hassan Halaika from Al Haq discovered uh, his hack that while uh, because one of his uh, someone returned a call to him and told him you called me and he said no. So when they compared, took screenshots of the call logs and compared it, it turned out that Pegasus was making phone calls from his. Phone. So this is very dangerous. For example, me as a, a person can be, if they want, for example, to link me to ISIS, they can make phone calls from my phone without me knowing, send messages, contacts with uh, ISIS affiliates or ISIS activists and say, oh, look, he's uh, doing terrorism. Uh, the second nightmare, one of the things that uh, I realized today, they can, for example, for me, as someone who travels a lot abroad, can download uh, illegal content, uh, content, uh, the drug deals, uh, child pornography, anything on your phone without you even being no, able to know that, and just maybe giving a tip on uh, a security check. Oh, so he has illegal contents on his phone, he has uh, violations. It's a very dangerous software. It's not just a monitoring software, it should be outlawed, this kind of software, actually to be used against individuals especially. And this uh, kind of software can also activate the camera, the microphone, whenever they want, even if the device is turned off. Uh, it can uh, go into your social media accounts. Uh, my communications, for example, because I'm the head of an organization, I communicate with foreign diplomats, I communicate with uh, officials, I communicate with my lawyers, both in the States and in Palestine through my devices. And this is all supposed to be protected in secrecy and this is all violated. The same phone that I have, uh, I had one two phone, so the same phone I used to take pictures of my kids, my three kids, the Christmas picture, the Easter picture, all of those pictures. Uh, I used to take selfies with my wife. 
uh, it used to be right next to me on the nightstand when we slept so in the morning it had my alarm it had my calendar so it's very intrusive so you don't know what kind of pictures they have taken what kind of uh, things they have recorded I might be with my wife sitting and talking uh, you might be talking romantically or having problems as a couple or to have so everything, all of your privacy has been uh, monitored, leaked, and uh, stored somewhere on a company server without any regard for my safety, my privacy, my rights as a human being, my family's rights, even the safety and the privacy of the people that I'm communicating with. Because I'm a US citizen, I communicate also with uh, the US Embassy. I have communications with them. So this is also something that has been violated. Uh, and the sad thing about that all is uh, until now we didn't have any official response from any government about this issue. I, I, I want to ask you about that. The, um, I, I will say, I mean, it, it does almost seem that the logic now is from the Israeli side, apparently, well, of course, we're, we're monitoring these people. It's a terrorist organization. We've declared it after the fact and mm -hmm. therefore retroactively it's legitimate targeting them which is logic that should be pretty chilling to human rights defenders around the world, right? That, that it's okay to monitor human rights defenders if after the fact you declare them to be um, doing things that are um, frowned upon legally. It's, it, it, it allows the state to do whatever it wants. Um, I wanna ask you, and we'll, we'll end here. I'm taking, I know you're incredibly busy right now and I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, so you are a US citizen and um, I'm curious, um, being a U.S. citizen, what does that mean in the context of this designation and hacking? Like, do does your status as an American afford you any rights in the eyes of Israel? I know the answer, but I, I want you to talk about it. Um, I know that, you know, Palestinian Americans traveling through Ben-Gurion are treated as Palestinians, not as Americans, and that's a long-standing issue. Israel treats Palestinians regardless of, of what passport they, they hold that way. Um, but beyond that, as a U.S. citizen, do you enjoy any rights to not be violated by Pegasus-type software? And and also, I'd say, knowing you're an American, and it's obviously quite public that you're American, has anyone from the embassy talked to you, or, or do you, or have you reached out to them for? Is there any is there any response from your government as an American citizen? Well, until now, no response. If I want to start at the end until now this moment hopefully this changes for uh, me as a palestinian being a palestinian precedes everything you get your rights violated by everyone i was arrested twice with from the pa this summer for demonstrating against the murder of activist nazar banat who was a good friend actually and if i can say this i think it's also worth reminding people who are listening that the groups that were designated as terrorist organizations all of them, or most of them, are involved in de defending Palestinian rights against both violations of Israel and violations of the PA, just to be very clear. And here. our voice is also high against the violations of Hamas and Gaza. So we just uh, say that's a human rights violations. We also say it. We try to hold duty bearers accountable. And uh, for me, I was arrested twice this summer. This did not uh, give me any immunity uh, by the PA. So can you imagine that a country like Israel will look to this as a being a U.S. citizen? Also, they do not care. 
uh, was arrested by them and uh, uh, having suffered uh, also this kind of abuse and ill treatment by them this is just precedes everything i'm a palestinian uh, i have uh, west bank id and i am a u.s citizen so i cannot even travel uh, on israeli checkpoints to go for example into east jerusalem or going although i am married to my wife has a jerusalemite id which is a whole different story of how Palestinians are segregated according to the color of their ID. <laughs> this is something different. Um, I cannot even uh, raise a case against the defense minister, uh, Benny Gantz or NSO group as a Palestinian for having my rights violated here. Uh, it's, uh, being a Palestinian means in the eyes of uh, the powers to be that you have basically have no rights. This is something to talk about. Although our case involves extreme uh, human rights violations, but just to give things into context, the other day, a 13-year-old kid was shot and killed while posing no threat to anyone. So this is the kind of life we are living. When we are saying that we are living on under uh, an occupa uh, occupation and that also has the uh, symptoms of an apartheid regime, this is systematic on our skins. For us as Palestinians, what you feel is that your life is not secure. I feel that more, of course, right now, uh, because of the hacking and the uh, uh, designation as terrorist organizations of my organization. But also you feel that you do not have rights, you cannot think even two days uh, ahead. For example, just a small personal story. I was studying and planning to do my PhD to uh, submit to go, try to go to the States because this has been a long-standing thing in the field of economics and development. I wanted to do it, but then th these things came. You get arrested by the PA and you, then you get uh, designated by Israel. So it's quite crazy. You cannot even start planning your life one or two months ahead. and. Uh, these kinds of violations also put uh, uncertainty on the future of us as a family, on the future of the organization. Uh, this designation, when it came, our organization, BSAN, for example, had has uh, standing contracts with uh, foreign partners that these contracts, our partners were not able to fulfill because they are registered also in Israel, and this might put them uh, not just put them, the Israeli banks will not do the transfer of the money, so new complications to our work. All of this is quite uh, just saying that you, as a Palestinian, do not enjoy any rights. For if it were, for example, an Israeli citizen in my place, and uh, unfortunately also to say that a Jewish, not uh, an Arab or a Christian or a Muslim, uh, things would have been much different, I think. Uh, there would be due process, at least, in some level. There would be uh, real scrutiny. There would be outrage, if he, even if he was the kingpin of the Israeli mafia, uh, if he was hacked in such a way for months uh, and continued without any due legal process. So this is the reality we're living in. And we're hoping as civil society organizations and human rights defenders that we can bring, uh, bring more light on it, uh, bring these issues under international attention and contribute to the change of this context of continuous human rights violations. Well, I will say, I mean, the, one of the things I think is 
very frustrating for those of us who work in the sector is that you know, the energies that have to be shifted from trying to defend Palestinian rights to defending the very existence of the organizations. At the same time, I wonder if um, counterintuitively this action by Israel has actually drawn more attention to those violations by drawing attention to its efforts to shut down the groups that actually document and report them, um, which seems like the sort of, it, it, that, that is not the act of a nation that, that is, that, that wants to have any transparency at all, or that wants to be in any way accountable to the same norms as other states. So maybe that is the, I don't want to call it silver lining. There is no silver lining here, but at least something to, to, to see a point of hope on. Um, is there any last thing you want to leave our audience with? I really appreciate your time. Otherwise we will let you go to your child. Well, okay. So the last thing I would like to say is that I remember, uh, I want to also say the poem of Bart Martin Niemler here that, uh, uh, and he's a well-known uh, uh, Protestant uh, 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 cleric that was uh, in Nazi Germany and was opposed to the Nazi. And uh, here I would like just to quote it and saying, first they came for uh, Muhammad Halabi, who's a human rights defender from Gaza. And nobody stood by him because his name was Muhammad Halabi and now they are coming for human rights organizations so please stand now before they come for everyone else powerful words to end on thank you so much everybody for sharing your time and your story and your analysis um i hope we can have you again on on a webinar or podcast um and thank you to our listeners for tuning in uh please make sure to check out the fmvp website www.fmvp.org and make sure you subscribe to these podcasts to stay up to date you can do that on itunes soundcloud or spotify and you can also watch the podcast on youtube and with that i'm going to sign off thank you obey and good evening and thanks to everyone for listening we'll see you on the next or listen to you on the next episode of occupied thoughts Thank you, Lo.